Hey there, welcome back. Um, I haven't podcasted much today. My dog may I, I lost my dog today, Hanky. But we're still hot on the trail of Trump going to fucking jail. So breaking Trump arrested mugshot released in Georgia. Brian Tyler Cohen. Um, thanks for 239k. And uh, Trump's potential disqualification from running in 2024 surges into national spotlight. Yay! That sounds awesome. It's automatic. It's disqualification is automatic. According to conservative constitutional scholars. So Glenn, the question I've gotten more than any other question this week, could Trump already be disqualified from running for office under the 14th Amendment of the Constitution? Uh, Professor Lawrence Tribe and Judge Ludwig both co-wrote a piece in The Atlantic arguing exactly this point. Lawrence Tribe is perspective. Pretty ground to disqualify Trump from holding office. Let me not bury the lead. The answer is yes. And frankly, I got justice goosebumps watching Judge Ludwig who is kind of a lion low battery conservative side on the right and professor lawrence tribe who is a lion and a constitutional scholar on the left when i watch those two men come together both on tv and in a written op-ed and say that we have both studied this issue as have other constitutional scholars low battery section three is self-authenticating, and Donald Trump is disqualified from being placed on the back. Low battery. Oh, man. I think is a power, powerful constitutional opinion. And the way I'm looking at this now, Brian, is this is the kind of disqualification that, frankly, is no different than being 34 years old or not being a natural-born citizen. These are constitutional disqualifications and what is the consequence of having a constitutional disqualification? A state, a secretary of state, you were named on a ballot as a candidate for the presidency. So hold on tight, because this issue is just getting warmed up. Now, how would this process actually play out? What would this look like, um, practically speaking? Yeah, the good news is we've all been struggling for, okay, what is the mechanism? What is the vehicle, right? What is the procedure what does it look like? that allows people to conclude, yep, Donald Trump is disqualified. Or gave aid and comfort to the insurrection, and he... Oh, my God. ...continues to do both of those things. Because when you read Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, it doesn't say anything about, well, by the way, Here's the process. Here are the steps that the country needs to go through in order to disqualify insurrectionists. But you know, Professor Tribe and Judge Ludwig really did kind of set out precisely how the procedure will play out. And it's a thing of beauty. So here's what they say. They say, you will have a Secretary of State 
let's just call it what it is. You're going to have a secretary of state in a blue state, right? A state dominated by the Democrats who will say, okay, there are constitutional authorities who tell me that I will be acting unconstitutionally if I put Donald Trump's name on the ballot for the presidency in my state election. And I'm not going to do that. So what will happen? That will inspire a lawsuit brought against that secretary of state to challenge that decision. And then that will work its way through the courts. Let's go over to a red state. You're going to have a secretary of state from the red state say, I don't care what these people are telling me, that it might be unconstitutional if I put Donald Trump's name on the ballot in my state. So I'm going to do it. That will inspire a lawsuit. And those lawsuits will work their way through the courts. I have a feeling, Brian, based on everything I've read thus far, and I have a lot more to read, I do not pretend to be the constitutional scholar that Lawrence Tribe or Judge Ludwig are. Um, but I think it's a winning argument. And I think once these issues get before judges, they're going to hold an evidentiary hearing, and they're going to conclude, and I believe the burden of proof will be a preponderance of the evidence. That's important because it's a much lower burden of proof than if we were going to rely on criminal prosecutions to prove Donald Trump is an insurrectionist. That, that's the mother of all burdens of proof beyond a reasonable doubt. So I have a feeling the courts will continue to hold, just like they have held in the election challenge cases and the Supreme Court has held. They haven't given any play to any of Donald Trump's BS claims in the election challenge arena. And you're going to have judges decide that Donald Trump is disqualified and his name may not be placed on the ballot. Now, we both know where that issue is ultimately going to end up and be decided. It's at the Supreme Court. Well, to that exact point, uh, on this idea that it will be decided in the Supreme Court, why wouldn't this be a state case? Because the power to run elections is specifically and exclusively a state's issue. So why wouldn't it stay in California, for example, if the, if the case is brought about in California and work its way through up to the California Supreme Court? Why does it ultimately end at the United States Supreme Court? Yeah, so first and foremost, you're right. These are state, state matters, right? The states have wide berth to run their own elections. So it will work its way through state courts up to and including, you know, state Supreme Courts. But it will also then hop into the federal system. The reason is because it really does also implicate federal constitutional matters. So one way or another, even though they will work their way through the state court systems, it's not all that unusual for cases to sort of jump collaterally from the states to the feds if there is some jurisdiction that the feds believe they can exercise over that particular state dispute. That's the case here. This will end up at the Supreme Court. For those of us who believe that Donald Trump did violate uh, the 14th Amendment of the Constitution, what is the biggest obstacle to this playing out, to this bearing itself out? The biggest obstacle is the Supreme Court. Of course, that's an unknown. What will the Supreme Court ultimately do when they you know, are the last stop for deciding this issue? And here's my take on that. I don't have a lot of confidence in the Supreme Court these days. I don't have a lot of confidence in the, the integrity of a half a dozen justices on the Supreme Court these days. But there is one thing that I am supremely confident about. The Supreme Court loves its power, 
and loves its status as the supreme governmental body. The last stop that gets to render an opinion on what is constitutional and what is not constitutional. And I think that will be a primary motivator when they are tackling this issue. They will not, they will not put an aspiring dictator like Donald Trump back in the White House. Why? Because a dictator has absolutely no need for a Supreme Court. So they would actually be ruling against their own supreme status, their own power and their own authority if they ruled in a way that allowed Donald Trump an acknowledged wannabe dictator. He's the one who said he would cancel the Constitution, remember. They will not facilitate him by rendering a legal opinion that puts him back or has the, the potential to put him back in the White House. I know that's a very bleak view. That's not how Supreme Court justices are supposed to undertake decision making. But I'm sorry, I don't have a lot of faith and confidence in the court these days. And they will absolutely, they will hold, they will continue to be strong in the election arena, but not necessarily because they will strictly be concerned with how to best interpret the Constitution. It's also self-interest. Regardless of the merits of this whole effort, of which there are many, and that's pointed out again, like, you know, by people across the political spectrum, from Professor Tribe all the way to Judge Luddick, um, oh it's still a more difficult avenue than, for example, having included insurrection as a charge in one of these federal cases. So why, why not, if you're Jack Smith, why not have included insurrection as a charge uh, in the D.C. case, for example? Another great question. I've scratched my head and asked myself, why didn't Jack Smith charge Donald Trump? Is, is there any downside to having included it? I mean, granted, it may not be such a home run as the other cases, which may be more black and white, more obvious uh, in terms of in terms of his culpability. But is there any downside to having just included an insurrection charge there? Domino's doesn't do things by halves. Unless it's price. Get 50% off pizza when you order. There is. So I sometimes had to prosecute a single defendant um, or investigate and decide whether to prosecute a single defendant for, for example, five murders. I might have believed that he committed all five murders. I might have even believed that I had a pretty good shot at proving beyond a reasonable doubt he committed all five murders, but I didn't want to play against myself by bringing cases that were either a little weaker on the evidence or that maybe had some novel legal challenges that could be leveled by the defense. I might only charge the two strongest murders or the three strongest murders. Jack Smith, I believe, wanted to sidestep the First Amendment challenges that would have been robust challenges to inciting an insurrection courtesy of, for example, Donald Trump's January 6th speech on the ellipse. And what you do when you lump that kind of a case, that kind of a charge, in with charges that are considerably stronger and have absolutely no potential First Amendment defense attached to them, sometimes you're playing against yourself in the eyes of the jury. You don't want to dilute your case on the strong charges and you don't want to give the jurors anything to puzzle over.
to disagree about because that can not only result in an acquittal, a not guilty verdict with respect to those more challenging charges, it can infect the rest of the, the case and the other charges. So, and here's the other downside as I see it. You know, I think Jack Smith may have been three steps ahead of all of us by declining to bring the insurrection charge because he already knew precisely what Judge Ludig and Lawrence Tribe knew, which is that there is Automatic. a vehicle for this to, for Donald Trump to be held accountable for the insurrection by being disqualified from running for president again or holding federal office again through this civil process. And l let's assume that Jack Smith brought an insurrection charge. And even though Donald Trump was convicted on the other charges, he was found not guilty on the insurrection charge because of the First Amendment challenges. Maybe it gave one or more jurors a little bit of doubt. So they cut Donald Trump some slack on that. That not guilty charge on an insurrection uh, crime might infect the ability to go into civil court and litigate um, whether Donald Trump was responsible for the insurrection. Now, let me quickly add that a not guilty verdict in a criminal trial is not admissible evidence in a civil trial, but boy, is it atmospheric evidence in the, in the court of public opinion that could end up making the civil challenge much more difficult. I know all of this is a mouthful, but this is how I see the interplay and how I see some of the arguments in favor of Jack Smith's decision to decline to bring the insurrection charge. Now, if this effort to invoke the 14th Amendment to the Constitution does eventually play out, when will we first see it? When will we, when will we first know that that's being, that's being attempted by some, you know, most likely Democratic Secretary of State? It's, it's a good question, and I don't know precisely the timing or the deadlines involved of the Secretary of State certifying the names of the candidates that will go on the state ballot. I suspect that will be, you know, sometime during the... Um, the, the nomination process. I just don't know precisely when. But let's remember, we've already seen civil suits brought and litigated against alleged insurrectionists, albeit them, in Congress. There's a, an organization called Free Speech for People, a nonprofit. They have been filing suits against members of Congress who participated in the insurrection. And they tried an entire civil case to see whether a, a judge would rule that Marjorie Taylor Greene participated in the insurrection such that she should be disqualified. Interestingly, that case made its way through the system and the judge ultimately concluded there wasn't quite enough evidence. You may remember, this is the one where Marjorie Taylor Greene was placed oh under oath and testified that she couldn't even recall her middle name, never mind what she was doing yeah. on and around January 6th. I'm taking liberties, but it was pretty pathetic that she couldn't recall anything that might have incriminated her or been damaging evidence to her. But these cases she have denied been calling working their way through the system albeit against members of Congress. So uh, it's Nancy not that it's like it, it's unprecedented that these suits can be brought and Treason. can successfully be litigated. We just have to get to a point where there's enough evidence, and I think there's enough evidence to prove in a civil case that Donald Trump absolutely incited, engaged, and assisted, or gave aid and comfort to 
the insurrection. Well, that seems like the perfect place to leave off. So obviously, we'll watch this and bear itself out as we move closer and closer to the election. If you want to stay on top of this stuff as it continues to bear itself out, make sure to subscribe. Thank you on the screen. I'm Brian Taylor Cohen. And I'm Glenn Kirshner. You're watching The Legal Breakdown. Let's hear that again. Professor Lawrence Tribe and Judge Ludwig both co-wrote a piece in The Atlantic arguing exactly this point. So, from a prosecutorial perspective, do you agree that there are already grounds to disqualify Trump from holding office? Let me not bury the lead. The answer is yes. And frankly, I got justice goosebumps watching Judge Ludwig, who is kind of a lion of a constitutional scholar on the conservative side, on the right, and Professor Lawrence Tribe who is a lion and a constitutional scholar. I watched those two come together, both on TV and in a written op-ed, and say that we have both studied this issue, as have other constitutional scholars, and we have concluded that the 14th Amendment, Section 3, is self-authenticating, and Donald Trump is disqualified from being placed on the ballot by secretaries of state. That, I think, is a power, powerful constitutional opinion. And the way I'm looking at this now, Brian, is this is the kind of disqualification that, frankly, is no different than being 34 years old or not being a natural-born citizen. These are constitutional disqualifications. And what is the consequence of having a constitutional disqualification? A state, a secretary of state may not constitutionally put your name on a ballot as a candidate for the presidency. So hold on tight because this issue is just getting warmed up. Now, how would this process actually play out? What would this look like, um, practically speaking? This is a metabolism killer. This is a metabolism killer. And even this is a metabolism yeah, the good news is we've all been struggling for, okay, what is the mechanism? What is the vehicle, right? What is the proceeding that allows people to conclude, yep, Donald Trump is disqualified because he participated in an insurrection or gave aid and comfort to the insurrection, and he did both of those things and continues to do both of those things. Because when you read Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, it doesn't say anything about, well, by the way, Here's the process. Here are the steps that the country needs to go through in order to disqualify an insurrectionist. But, you know, Professor Tribe and Judge Ludwig really did kind of set out precisely how the procedure will play out. And it's a thing of beauty. So here's what they say. They say you will have a secretary of state. Let's just call it what it is. You're going to have a secretary of state in a blue state, right? A state dominated by the Democrats who will say, okay, there are constitutional authorities who tell me that I will be acting unconstitutionally if I put Donald Trump's name on the ballot for the presidency in my state election, and I'm not going to do that. So what will happen? That will inspire a lawsuit brought against that secretary of state to challenge that decision, and then that will work its way through the courts. Let's go over to a red state. You're going to have a secretary of state from the red state say, I don't care what these people are telling me, that it might be unconstitutional if I put Donald Trump's name on the ballot in my state, so I'm going to do it. That 
will inspire a lawsuit, and those lawsuits will work their way through the courts. I have a feeling, Brian, based on everything I've read thus far, and I have a lot more to read, I do not pretend to be the constitutional scholar that Lawrence Tribe or Judge Ludwig are. Um, but I think it's a winning argument. And I think once these issues get before judges, they're going to hold an evidentiary hearing and they're going to conclude, and I believe the burden of proof will be a preponderance of the evidence. That's important because it's a much lower burden of proof than if we were going to rely on criminal prosecutions to prove Donald Trump is an insurrectionist. That, that's the mother of all burdens of proof beyond a reasonable doubt. So I have a feeling the courts will continue to hold, just like they have held in the election challenge cases and the Supreme Court has held. They haven't given any play to any of Donald Trump's BS claims in the election challenge arena. And you're going to have judges decide that Donald Trump is disqualified and his name may not be placed on the ballot. Now, we both know where that issue is ultimately going to end up and be decided. It's at the Supreme Court. To that exact point, uh, on this idea that it will be decided in the Supreme Court, why wouldn't this be a state case? Because the power to run elections is specifically and exclusively a state's issue. So why wouldn't it stay in California, for example, if the, if the case is brought about in California and work its way through up to the California Supreme Court? Why does it ultimately end at the United States Supreme Court? Yes, yeah, so first and foremost, you're right. These are state state matters, right? The states have wide berth on their own elections. So it will work its way through state courts up to and including, you know, state Supreme Courts. But it will also then hop into the federal system. The reason is because it really does also implicate federal constitutional matters. So one way or another, even though they will work their way through the state court systems, it's not all that unusual for cases to sort of jump collaterally from the states to the feds if there is some jurisdiction that the feds believe they can exercise over that particular state dispute. That's the case here. This will end up at the Supreme Court. For those of us who believe that Donald Trump did violate uh, the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, what is the biggest obstacle to this playing out, to this bearing itself out? biggest obstacle is the Supreme Court. Of course, that's an unknown. What will the Supreme Court ultimately do when they, you know, are the last stop for deciding this issue? And here's my take on that. I don't have a lot of confidence in the Supreme Court these days. I don't have a lot of confidence in the, the integrity of a half a dozen justices on the Supreme Court these days. But there is one thing that I am supremely confident about. The Supreme Court loves its power and loves its status as the supreme governmental body, the last stop that gets to render an opinion on what is constitutional and what is not constitutional. And I think that will be a primary motivator when they are tackling this. They will not, they will not put an aspiring dictator like Donald Trump back in the White House. Why? Because a dictator has absolutely no need for a Supreme Court. So they would actually be ruling against their own supreme status, their own power and their own authority if they ruled in a way that allowed Donald Trump 
an acknowledged wannabe dictator. He's the one who said he would cancel the Constitution, remember. They will not facilitate him by rendering a legal opinion that puts him back or has the, the potential to put him back in the White House. I know that's a very bleak view. That's not how Supreme Court justices are supposed to undertake decision making. But I'm sorry, I don't have a lot of faith and confidence in the court these days. And they will absolutely, they will hold, they will continue to be strong in the election arena, but not necessarily because they will strictly be concerned with how to best interpret the Constitution. It's also self-interest. Regardless of the merits of this whole effort, of which there are many, and that's pointed out again, like, you know, by people across the political spectrum, from Professor Tribe all the way to Judge Luddick, um, it's still a more difficult avenue than, for example, having included insurrection as a charge in one of these federal cases. So why, why not, if you're Jack Smith, why not have included insurrection as a charge uh, in the D.C. case, for example? Another great question. I scratched my head and asked myself, why didn't Jack Smith charge Donald Trump? Is, is there any downside to having included it? I mean, granted, it may not be such a home run as the other cases, which may be more black and white, more obvious uh, in, terms of, in terms of his culpability. But is there any downside to having just included an insurrection charge there? There is. So... I sometimes had to prosecute a single defendant uh, or investigate and decide whether to prosecute a single defendant for, for example, five murders. I might have believed that he committed all five murders. I might have even believed that I had a pretty good shot at proving beyond a reasonable doubt he committed all five murders, but I didn't want to play against myself by bringing cases that were either a little weaker on the evidence or that maybe had some novel legal challenges that could be leveled by the defense. I might only charge the two strongest murders or the three strongest murders. Jack Smith, I believe, wanted to sidestep the First Amendment challenges that would have been robust challenges to inciting an insurrection courtesy of, for example, Donald Trump's January 6th speech on the ellipse. And what you do when you lump that kind of a case, that kind of a charge, in with charges that are considerably stronger and have absolutely no potential First Amendment defense attached to them, sometimes you're playing against yourself in the eyes of the jury. You don't want to dilute your case on the strong charges and you don't want to give the jurors anything to puzzle over to disagree about because that can not only result in an acquittal a not guilty verdict with respect to those more challenging charges it can infect the rest of the, the case and the other charges so and here's the other downside as i see it you know i think jack smith may have been three steps ahead of all of us by declining to bring the insurrection charge because he already knew it's automatic. what Judge Ludig and Lawrence Tribe knew, which is that there is a big... There's a what? There's a commercial. Vehicle for this to for Donald Trump to be held accountable for the insurrection by being disqualified 
from running for president again or holding federal office again through this civil process. And let's assume that Jack Smith brought an insurrection charge. And even though Donald Trump was convicted on the other charges, he was found not guilty on the insurrection charge because of the First Amendment challenges. Maybe it gave one or more jurors a little bit of doubt. So they cut Donald Trump some slack on that. That not guilty charge on an insurrection uh, crime might infect the ability to go into civil court and litigate um, whether Donald Trump was responsible for the insurrection. Now, let me quickly add that a not guilty verdict in a criminal trial is not admissible evidence in a civil trial, but boy, is it atmospheric evidence in the in the court of public opinion that could end up making the civil challenge much more difficult. I know all of this is a mouthful, but this is how I see the interplay and how I see some of the arguments in favor of Jack Smith's decision to decline to bring the insurrection charge. Now, if this effort to invoke the 14th Amendment to the Constitution does eventually play out, when will we first see it? When will we when will we first know that that's being that's being attempted by some, you know, most likely Democratic Secretary of State? It's, it's a good question, and I don't know precisely the timing or the deadlines involved of the Secretary of State certifying the names of the candidates that will go on the state ballot. I suspect that will be, you know, sometime during the, um, the, the nomination process. I just don't know precisely when. But let's remember, we've already seen civil suits brought and litigated against alleged insurrectionists, albeit them, in Congress. There's a, an organization called Free Speech for People, a nonprofit. They have been filing suits against. Guess what? created by an Irish engineer cleans any bathroom in less than five minutes. It's a new against members of Congress who participated in the insurrection and they tried an entire civil case to see whether a, a judge would rule that Marjorie Taylor Greene participated in the insurrection such that she should be disqualified. Interestingly, that case made its way through the system and the judge ultimately concluded there wasn't quite enough evidence. You may remember, this is the one where Marjorie Taylor Greene was placed under oath and testified that she couldn't even recall her middle name, never mind what she was doing yeah. on and around January 6th. I'm taking liberties, but it was pretty pathetic that she couldn't recall anything that might have incriminated her or been damaging evidence to her. But these cases have been working their way through the system albeit against members of Congress. So it's not that it's like it's unprecedented that these suits can be brought and can successfully be litigated. We just have to get to a point where there's enough evidence. And I think there's enough evidence to prove in a civil case that Donald Trump absolutely incited, engaged in, assisted or gave aid and comfort to 
the insurrection. Well, that seems like the perfect place to leave off, so, so obviously we'll watch this effort bear itself <laughs> out as we move suit. closer and closer to the election. If you want to stay on top of this stuff as it continues to bear itself out, make sure to subscribe. The links are right here on this screen. I'm Brian Taylor Cohen. And I'm Glenn Kirshner. You're watching The Legal Breakdown. What's going on? Who's crying? 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 Now reporting. David Muir. Good afternoon. We're coming on the air with a major development in special counsel Jack Smith's investigation into former President Trump. Former President Trump has been informed at this hour. He has been indicted by a federal grand jury regarding the special counsel's probe into Trump's former President Trump indicted, indicted, dicted, indicated in 2020 election probe. Three weeks ago, man. Okay, so, um, that was Brian Tyler Cohen. Disqualification. I want to hear all about this subject. Shout out to KAMP Student Radio at the University of Aridstone. I'm Captain Wati, but we'll keep Trump arrested mugshot released in Georgia near four hours ago. News is gonna be great today. And, uh, no. and there you have it. Easily the most highly anticipated mugshot in <laughs> history has been released today for Donald <laughs> arrest and booking in Fulton County, Georgia. His booking also has him listed as six foot three, two hundred and fifteen pounds, which is clearly a number that Donald Trump self-reported because if he's two hundred and fifteen pounds, then I'm seven foot four and five hundred pounds. The okay. mugshot was taken as Trump turned himself in following his indictment on thirteen criminal charges in that state. That's <laughs> because at least and there you have it. Easily the most <laughs> <laughs> nah. Nah. Traitor Trump? Who's a tractor Trump? Traitor Trump. 
will not be on the ballot. Nah. Motherfucker, Trader Trump will not. Not. Yeah, the best Republicans, y'all better plan B. Never fear, disqualification is here. Okay, now had hashtag Trump mugshot. Never fear, disqualification is here. It's automatic. Motherfucker, Trader Trump will not be on the ballot. I repeat, motherfucker. Trader Trump will not be on the ballot. So Republicans, y'all better have a plan B. Yeah, lol. Arrested mugshot released in Georgia. And there you have it. Easily the most highly anticipated mugshot in history <laughs> has been released today from Donald Trump's arrest and booking in Fulton County, Georgia. His booking also has him listed as six foot three, two hundred and fifteen pounds, which is clearly a number that Donald Trump self-reported because if he's two hundred and fifteen pounds, then I'm seven foot four and five hundred pounds. The mugshot was taken as Trump turned himself in following his indictment on thirteen charges in that state. As far as we should expect, this will be the only Trump mugshot having been released, despite being booked in multiple different jurisdictions, including Manhattan for the case regarding his hush money payout to Sorby Daniels, and his two federal cases in Florida and Washington, D.C. But the authorities in Fulton County made it abundantly clear that neither Trump nor his co-defendants would get special treatment in their jurisdiction. We are following our, part, our, our normal practices, and so it doesn't matter your status, we'll... I like that guy's um <laughs> I like that guy. We'll have a mugshot ready for you. I'm gonna replay that. Aside from Trump's mugshot, we got a raft of others, including Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, Rudy Giuliani, Jenna yeah. Ellis, Sidney Powell, John oh, Eastman, big and smile many on more. Her face. And I wish I could say that I never saw any of this coming, but I'm pretty sure seeing these people pose for their mugshots was about as certain as the sun rising in the morning. And of course, the Trump team has latched on to the fact that these mugshots were taken as evidence that the system is rigged against them, apparently unaware that every indicted criminal defendant is subject to the same treatment. And in fact, Trump and his co-conspirators not getting mugshots in every other jurisdiction is actually proof that the system is rigged in their favor, because no yeah, other criminal exactly. defendants get to pick and choose how their own bookings process plays out. Uh, as, as this is all going on because yeah, there's, again, fair. this is their moment of great celebration. They, they claim to, to, have to think that this is, this is a serious moment for democracy. But, but you see it around the edges. They are gleeful that this man is going to get his mugshot taken tonight, yeah. fingerprinted like, you know, like yeah, he's something awesome. jacking cars in San Francisco. Those people actually go free. So they're completely bankrupt of ideas on the left. They have nothing huh. left. And so their only option Projection. now is to do this. I'm really curious what's he going to do with this mugshot. 
I think he should just smile ear to ear uh, as, as just the biggest middle finger right back at all of this. Well, it will be the most famous mugshot in the history of yes. the world. I think everyone can agree on that. And as ridiculous and absurd as it is, and you were just talking about my father-in-law's truth post, where he talks about, why do you need a mugshot? You need it to identify someone who people may not know. So if they need to be caught somewhere else, if they try to flee, that's why you set a bond. That's why you have a mugshot. It's absurd to think that Donald Trump, who is one of the most famous people in the world, if not the most famous in the world, would ever need one. But we know the goal with this it is to try and embarrass him in some way but i think it's gonna backfire on them just like everything else does rob this mugshot you wait for it it's gonna be on posters and people's dorm rooms it's gonna be on t-shirts it is going to be a flag flown by people who love this country because they're backing donald trump they understand how important this is they understand how absurd all of this is and it's exactly why they're going to rally behind him and they're going to vote for him in 2024. The future of health is not a thing that tracks your heart rate. <laughs> Laura it's exactly why they're going to rally behind him. pretty sad. Her father don't even recognize her. And they're going to vote for him in 2024. Tell you what, I wish I loved anything as much as Republicans love playing the victim and presenting themselves as martyrs. First of all, I actually tend to agree that Trump's mugshot will be everywhere, but... Probably not for the reason that Lara Trump thinks. I'd actually be shocked if I didn't end up drinking from a mug by September with a photo of Trump's face plastered on it. But more importantly, let's remember one thing. Donald Trump is not the victim here. He is the perpetrator. No one forced him to break the law. No one forced him to pressure the Georgia Secretary of State to find 11,780 non-existent votes. No one forced his legal team to breach a voting machine in Coffee County. No one forced him to try and install a fake slate of electors. No one forced him to pressure the legislature into refusing to accept the election results. If Trump and his lackeys are unhappy with the consequences here, perhaps the time to have considered that was when he was busy breaking the law. And so it is, of course, inevitable that Trump's mouthpieces will try to present him as some martyr. But of all the people pleading with him not to break the law and ultimately land himself inside of a courtroom, it was the Democrats. The left wanted him to accept the election results. The left wanted him to call off his mob. The left wanted him to accept the proper slates of electors. Had he listened to his sworn enemies on the left, the communist Marxist Democrats, the guy wouldn't be posing for any mugshot right now. He'd be enjoying retirement at one of his golf courses instead of doing a nationwide tour of courthouses. And by the way, if there was any doubt about just how much yeah. Republicans love playing the victim, here's Marjorie Taylor Greene proving as much. It's a horrible day in America, and to stand in solidarity with President Trump, I made my own mugshot with the Fulton County Jail here logo, and I changed it to my official photo on Twitter. So I encourage everyone to make your own MAGA mugshot. Stand with President Trump. We always stand with our president because he's the one that's going to save this country, and, and we thank God for him. So that's what I did to stand in solidarity. I'm standing right here we at the jail God with all of y'all. Um, I think right side, I think everybody that's here, and we're going to support him all the way. These people are so desperate to present themselves as victims that even the ones who managed not to get arrested are creating their own mugshots, which <laughs> actually strikes me as a little silly, because if there's one thing that Republicans are legitimately good at, it is getting charged and arrested. So in a way, I'm a little disappointed that Marjorie Taylor Greene is playing pretend here when the rest of her allies found a way to do the real thing. But look, the reason is pretty simple. The GOP relies on grievance politics because if they don't present themselves as victims, then it will become apparent that they're the ones seeking to hurt every vulnerable group. 
Remember, this is a party that attacks the LGBT community. It's a party that attacks minorities. It's a party that attacks women. It's a party that attacks young people. It's a party that attacks non-Christians. If they drop the facade that they're the victims, it'll become immediately apparent that, in fact, they're the ones persecuting others. And so instead, they just project and play make-believe because they enjoy lying to themselves that somehow a party of overwhelmingly white Christian conservatives are getting the short end of the stick in the United States of America. Tell you what, walk outside for three minutes in December in this country and tell me that Christianity is under attack. But they will continue this facade because the GOP is not concerned with objective reality, they're concerned with power. They want to cling on to what dwindling power they have left, and they'll do it through whatever means possible. Through gerrymandering and court packing and voter suppression and election subversion and violence, and if they really have to, insurrection attempts on the seat of government. All this talk about law and order in the Constitution and our framers was a cover to give themselves plausible deniability while they focused on their actual plans, which were to undermine that very democracy at every turn in service of consolidating power for themselves. So they'll cry victim about Donald Trump, but again, he is not the victim. He is the latest manifestation of a decades-long Republican effort to discard every tenet of democracy while cementing one-party rule. I'm not cheering on Trump's arrest because I hate him, although I'm not gonna lie, dude's not my favorite person. I'm cheering on his arrest because it shows that the very system his party has spent years trying to dismantle is actually holding up. Maybe not strongly, maybe not quickly, but it's holding up, and that's something that should give us hope. We've spent years parading ourselves around as a country where no one is above the law. Now we'll actually get a chance to see that mantra put to the test as the biggest criminal in U.S. history is finally forced to answer for his crimes in court. Before you go, I need some help. Please subscribe to the channel and do your part to help grow the progressive media ecosystem. I don't do sponsorships or paid ads. I won't ask for money. But just subscribing to this channel goes a really long way. Let's see. Republican primary debate goes off the rails. How I come here to this? Brian Tyler to this the Republican primary debate was exactly as unhinged as you could have imagined, with candidates racing to the bottom amid climate denialism and lies about abortion and fear-mongering about the border and, of course, some blatant transphobia. Here are the most standout moments of the night. Let us be honest as Republicans. I'm the only person on the stage who isn't bought and paid for, so I can say this. The climate change whoa, 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 whoa. agenda is a hoax. The climate change agenda is a hoax. And we have to Anti-carbon agenda is the wet blanket on our economy. And so the reality is more people are dying what of bad knob. climate change policies uh. than they are of actual climate change. Vivek Ramaswamy's suggestion that the climate change agenda is a hoax. First of all, because apparently Republican candidates don't have the spine to acknowledge objective Sorry. reality, even as wildfires ravage the West and hurricanes ravage the Southeast and droughts ravage the Midwest, climate change is real. And it will only continue to worsen if the Republican strategy of burying our heads in the sand is adopted. The Democratic climate change agenda is the only thing offering even a glimmer of hope that we'll have a habitable planet in the future. The Inflation Reduction Act, passed exclusively with Democratic votes, is the biggest investment in climate in the history of this country. It will be the most consequential piece of legislation as far as saving our planet goes until the Democrats do it again. And in the face of Phoenix reaching 110 degree temperatures for 30 days in a row, and Maui's drought setting the stage for a devastating wildfire, and Southern California experiencing a tropical storm for the first time in nearly a century, Democratic leadership on climate in the face of an absent Republican Party has never been more important. But we are going to take a brief moment and talk about the elephant not in the room. Former President Trump has been indicted in four different states on 91.
one counts. He will be processed tomorrow in Georgia at the Fulton County Jail for charges relating to the 2020 election loss. You all signed a pledge to support the eventual Republican nominee. If former President Trump is convicted in a court of law, would you still support him as your party's choice? Please raise your hand if you would. criminal in human history. Shame on them. specifically on Ron DeSantis here, you'll notice that he wouldn't even dare raise his hand until he felt enough other people raise their hands that he had adequate cover. This guy's campaign is so steeped in fear over the prospect of angering Donald Trump and his base that he's turned into this cowering infant as soon as Trump is invoked. It was a phenomenon so apparent that even moderator Brett Baer called him out for it. Former President Trump is beating you by 30, 40 points in many polls. So it is a factor in the GOP primer. Governor Hutchison. When even the Fox News hosts start calling you out for your unwillingness to confront objective reality, things are probably not going so well. We cannot let states like California, New York, and Illinois have abortions on demand up until the day of birth. That is immoral. It is unethical. It is wrong. We must have a president of the United States who will advocate and fight for at the minimum a 15-week limit. I'm 100% pro-life conservative. I have a 100% pro-life record. I got to tell you, though, we must fight for life. Our Declaration of Independence since our creator gave us inalienable rights that include life. That is a list. That is an issue we must solve. We can't leave it to Illinois. We can't leave it to Minnesota. We can't leave it to Illinois. We must solve that issue with a 15-week limit at a minimum. Brett, I think we're all pro-life. What you. I would love is for someone to ask Biden and Kamala Harris, are they for 38 weeks? Are they for 39 weeks? Are they for 40 weeks? Because that's what the media needs to be asked. All right. This was a common refrain throughout the night, that Democrats are advocating for abortion on demand. Why? Because it sounds scary, and at the end of the day, nothing is more effective among the Republican base than fear-mongering. But here are the facts. According to the CDC, almost 99% of abortions occur before 21 weeks. Republicans love to frame this as liberals just nonchalantly aborting babies on the day of their delivery as easily as we choose our Starbucks lattes, but that's not what's happening in reality. Again, virtually all abortions are happening before 21 weeks. And so think about why those last 1% of women are getting abortions after 21 weeks. The reasons range from the women not knowing they were pregnant, to fetal anomalies, to health risks to the mother. And so banning abortions after some arbitrary date isn't going to stop the kinds of hysterical reasons that Republicans fearmonger about, like infection 
infanticide because infanticide isn't actually happening. And that is a figment of Republicans' imagination. And it's all it's going to do is impact the 1% of women who are already dealing with some major trauma. Again, 99% of abortions are happening early anyway. The only post-21-week abortions are the result of some major complication. That's what's being impacted. That's who Republicans would be making life more difficult for. The women who are suffering due to some unforeseen issue or complication. Republicans would be targeting the very women who are already dealing with immeasurable pain. They would be finding the single most vulnerable, desperate, heartbroken women there are and imposing an unnecessary burden onto them for solely political reasons. And let's be clear, they know that, but they're saying whatever they need to say to pander to the base to win an election. Because it's not about helping others, it is about helping themselves. A win for Russia is a win for China. We have to know that. Ukraine is the first line of defense for us. And the problem that Vivek doesn't understand is he wants to hand Ukraine to Russia. He wants to let China eat Taiwan. He wants to go and stop funding Israel. You don't do that to friends. What you do instead is you have the backs of your friends. Ukraine is a front line of defense. Putin has said if... Russia, once Russia takes Ukraine, Poland and the Baltics are next. That's a world war. We're trying to prevent war. Look at what Putin did today. He killed Prigozhin. When I was at the UN, the Russian ambassador suddenly died. This guy is a murderer, and you are choosing a murderer over, over a Thanks for 239k. support for every hot-button issue, seemingly for the sake of espousing support for every hot-button issue. And in a Republican primary completely enveloped by Trumpism, Vivek seemed to have figured out that all he needed to do was to stand out as the chaos candidate for the sake of being the chaos candidate. But when the moment came where he was the only one on stage to suggest hanging Ukraine out to dry, that's where Nikki Haley and the crowd seemed to turn on him. Not only because abandoning an American ally in deference to a Russian dictatorship is insane, but also because it betrayed Vivek for what he really is. Yet another amateur provocateur leaning on shock and chaos in place of any actual experience or qualifications. Which is not to say that these people won't all eventually fall in line to defend Donald Trump and that the audience who cheered on Nikki Haley won't do the same. But the strategy was so obvious by Vivek that I imagine it was damn near impossible for everyone in that room not to feel like they were being exploited. And in a party that essentially survives off of exploitation, that is really saying something.
But the takeaway from this debate is really quite simple. With or without Donald Trump, this is a party that has no guiding principles, aside from the majority of its adherents professing blind fealty to Donald Trump. There's no commitment to the law, to the Constitution, or to the truth. It's little more than fear porn and slavish devotion to the guy who they themselves are helping beat them. But it did serve one useful purpose. It showed the rest of the country just how unserious this party is. Because while we have Democrats adding record jobs and lowering inflation and presiding over a world-best economy, you've got Republicans performing this circus act on stage for the entire world to see. If that's the message they were trying to send, then they succeeded. But that was the only success of the night. Before you go, I need some help. Please subscribe to the channel and do your part to help grow the progressive media ecosystem. I don't do sponsorships or paid ads. I won't ask for money. But just subscribing to... Annoying. Fucking annoying. Okay. I'll be back. It's fucking annoying. So this guy, Vivek, is so fucking annoying. Meltdown amid his booking, his, his booking in Georgia mugshot released. Uh -huh. This 40 euros device created by an Irish engineer cleans any bathroom in less than five minutes. It's a new handheld scrubber that's being maybe in American history and the most effective mayor for sure. It can happen to you. How does it feel to be on the other side of the justice system? How does it feel to be on the other side of the justice system? All right, don't interrupt me. I'm making a statement. Uh, if they can do this to me, they can do this to you. Well, I'm going uh, to Georgia, and I'm feeling very, very good about it because I feel like I'm defending the rights of all Americans, as I did so many times as a United States attorney. People, people like to say I'm different. I'm the same Rudy Giuliani that took down the mafia, that made New York City the safest city in America, reduced crime more than any mayor in the history of any city anywhere and I'm fighting for justice. I have been from the first moment. I represented Donald Trump. And it is a man who has now been proven innocent several times. I don't know how many times he has to be proven innocent. And they have to be proven to be liars. 
actually enemies of our republic. We're destroying rights, sacred rights. They're destroying my right to counsel, my right to be a lawyer. They're destroying his right to counsel. It's not accidental that they've indicted all his lawyers. Never heard of that before in America. All the lawyers indicted. Now, whether you dislike or you like Donald Trump, let me give you a warning. I think it'll come for you when the political winds shift, as they always do. Let us pray that Republicans are more honest, more trustworthy, and more American than these people in charge of this government. Because if our government is conducted this way, and the system of justice is politicized and criminalized for politics, your rights are in jeopardy and your children's. Donald Trump told you this. They weren't just coming for him. Or me. Now they've... Hi there, welcome back. We're going to listen to. I want to hear the Republican cunt debates. Did you guys see um, the mugshot? Yeah. Republican debates full. Republican debates. Live. The majority report was. Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy. Trump's chief target. Fucking knob. He's just there to be fucking annoying. He was part of a pump and dump. Um, let's see, eight for US President Paul. Paul, four. Face off at first presidential CBS Chicago one day ago. Meet the press. Special. NBC News. How about that? Thank you for 239K. Now delivering groceries, you shop we. Hey man, no ads, dude. Is 
second hour kicked off. You all signed a pledge to support the eventual Republican nominee. If former President Trump is convicted in a court of law, would you still support him as your party's choice? Please raise your hand if you would. Bunch of fucking cowards. Climate change. 
is people are pleased that he was not dogpiled on. I think talking to some right. of the folks in his orbit before this debate got started, there was this concern that maybe it was going to be everybody goes at Ron DeSantis, and instead it was uh, Ramaswamy who got the dogpile, and DeSantis was able to pick his moment. So whether any of that fundamentally changes the direction of this race, I doubt. Uh, but DeSantis kind of stops the bleeding at least a little bit, and Ramaswamy becomes the new uh, villain for these other candidates to play off of going forward. No, it's fascinating. I'm going to be very curious to see if Ramaswamy is one of those that plays better with the audience than maybe he plays with the professional class. We shall see. Dasha Burns, um, I think it was notable how aggressive, I think about some of the people you've been traveling with, that was a very aggressive Mike Pence. Um, frankly, surprisingly so, that's not the Mike Pence we've gotten to know. He tried to, I think, uh, find a moment, whether he got one or not. We'll, we'll see later, and I agree with Garrett about we saw with DeSantis. What are you hearing there on the ground, particularly from Team Pence? I'm curious what they think of what he did tonight. Yeah, Chuck, this was not necessarily the dynamic that we expected, right? The preamble was the dog pile was going to be on Ron DeSantis, that uh, folks like Mike Pence and Tim Scott were going to try to sort of hold the line and uh, be the bearers of standard conservatism. That's certainly what uh, I was told from the Pence team was the plan beforehand, although that's why it was surprising to see him come out um, so so fiery and really take on Vivek Ramaswamy, who got the vast majority of attacks and also fired back. And, and through the vast majority of arrows. Uh, DeSantis, though, uh, not really taking the brunt of, of the attacks like we expected and really sticking to the message. Look, a lot of what he talked about are things that we have heard on the campaign trail, but that's not necessarily a bad thing when you're talking to a national audience and a lot of voters who probably haven't really been tuning in until just now. And listen, I'll let you hear straight from the horse's mouth here. I've got with me uh, David Polyansky, who is uh, fresh to the campaign, actually coming over from the Super PAC one week as deputy campaign manager. And I'll just give you a moment here, your quick reaction to what we saw tonight. That's exactly what we hope for and more. Uh, Governor DeSantis stepped to the, page, the stage tie and he delivered a, bit, a win, a win on the debate stage because he looked presidential, he acted presidential, more importantly, he painted a vision for the country that he will drive home as our next president and we couldn't be happier. The preamble was dogpile on Ron, that he was going to be the, the target of a lot of attacks. Is it a good thing that he wasn't attacked or is there sort of that, you know, sometimes getting the majority of the attacks says, hey, I'm the front runner and I'm here. And I know he was prepared, as we all talked about, uh, to, to take those on. Well, look, uh, this is a two-person race. The Des Moines Register poll in Iowa evidence is that as well. And I think what you saw tonight was Governor DeSantis have clean air to drive his message for two hours. Two hours of free time to deliver his message and explain uh, not only his vision for the country, but tell people a little bit about him. Uh, and many folks haven't had that chance, for instance, being the only veteran in the race, having a proven conservative record, unlike most of his peers on the stage. And just lastly, I'd say um, what you saw tonight and a lot of the, the chirping back and forth was really a battle for third place, a distant third place, but a battle for third place nonetheless. We couldn't be happier. He did not go after the former president when opportunities presented themselves, like on the January 6th question. Is that a deliberate strategic decision? Tonight, look, tonight was a, a debate with eight um, folks on the stage here in Milwaukee, and if the former president decides to show up on the debate stage, maybe those debates will have a little more um, engagement between them. David, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, there you have it, Chuck. Not the dynamic that a lot of folks were expecting. The DeSantis campaign pleased with, with his performance and the opportunity that he got tonight. And the other thing I'll say is a lot of this kind of reminded me of one of the earlier 
Republican events without former President Trump, which was a family leadership conference in Iowa, where, you know, he wasn't there. People talked about him a little bit, but ultimately wasn't as missed as folks expected. And I wonder if that might be a little bit of the takeaway that this was an opportunity for these candidates to showcase what a post-Trump political landscape could look like. And so far, the reviews that I'm getting from voters are pretty good, that they got to hear these candidates on the issues and not talking about the election, not talking about the former president's grievances. And that's a bit of a breath of fresh air for folks. Well, look, we're going to, I think, be talking to some voters a little later in this hour, actual voters who watch the debate. Uh, with us. We'll go from there. Dasha, for that, Garrett, thank you both. I'm going to break down what we saw tonight. we got a great panel with us joining me on set. Amy Walter, the editor of Publishing Book Political Report. Lonnie Chen, former Mitt Romney and Marco Rubio advisor, Stanford University Director of Domestic Policy Studies. And Daniel Plutka, the senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute and NBC News contributor. And I have Lonnie here, the single biggest Republican vote getter in 2022. Even more votes than Ron DeSantis. That is correct. And that is something that you will always have in, in that trophy case of yours. But I'm going to start with the guys. It's SOT 2. It's Nikki Haley, because Nikki Haley is the first candidate that actually started debating other candidates. Let's hear how it got started. No one is telling the American people the truth. The truth is that Biden didn't do this to us. Our Republicans did this to us, too. When they passed that $2.2 trillion COVID stimulus bill, they left us with 90 million people on Medicaid, 42 million people on food stamps. You have Ron DeSantis, you've got Tim Scott, you've got Mike Pence. They all voted to raise the debt. And Donald Trump added $8 trillion to our debt. And our kids are never going to forgive us for this. Amy Walter, that was about 14 minutes into the debate. When it, yeah. To me, that's when, that's when the debate started. It's like, oh, okay, we're taking, we're, we're taking the gloves off. We can start name-checking candidates, and that's when it began. So give me your general takeaway uh, on what you think you saw. And I say think well, because we're all... We're all sort of yeah. know that what we think is not necessarily... It's think. not important because what the voters think is important. I don't think anyone thought Donald true. Trump won a single debate in 2016. I I, in I fact, I went back and I yeah. looked at all of the press coming after that August debate in 2015. Everyone in the traditional media yeah. that Trump lost his Oh, it's going to be terrible. terrible. This is going to play terribly with That's the voters. Right? Everybody hates Trump but the voters. What I thought was really interesting about the Haley positioning tonight was it wasn't just that she was going after her, uh, her Republican challengers in order to move herself up within the Republican ranks. It's like she was going after independent voters on everything from, well, right there, uh, going directly and on Trump on spending, yeah. the establishment, but also on her answers on abortion, on climate, on Ukraine, were much more, much more aimed at getting that swing female voter than they were at trying to get at that sort of conservative Trump voter. To, to back it up, later in the debate, at one point she says, we have to face the fact that Trump is the most disliked politician in America. We can't win a general election. Uh, you know, it was interesting. We'll see if it, it, it helps to with a donor base that is probably more in a Republican right. donor base that's more in line with her views. Will they right. start to put their money behind her? Well, look, we started with the Haley, but let's be honest, the candidate that got the most attention and drew the most everything was Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, in some ways, he wanted that. This is exactly what he wanted, Danny. Um, it reminds me of Trump 2015. It turns some people off, right, the way he, he does his thing. But it may light some, it may light people up, too. 
Um, okay, I don't know those people. Uh, did you know I, the Trump acolytes at the time either? Maybe. I mean, I think people were much more, look, people prior to January, you know, 2021 were much more open to the idea of Donald Trump. And in 2016, people thought that he would even, even though he was an incendiary candidate, that he would revert to that kind of normalcy in the White House that a lot of us expected. Now, he didn't do that. But Vivek, no. Uh, I'm sorry. You think it was too hot? Was it too hot? I, I can't get past the fact that, you know, I just am not looking for another loudmouth putz. I, I feel exactly the way that every single other candidate on that stage felt about Vivek Ramaswamy. It is. Was, Shut up and go away. It, it, yes. Yes. It felt like it was, you know, we, we talked about how during the first Democratic debate when Pete Buttigieg was just taken off, there was a lot of, who the heck is this guy? Amy Klobuchar went out. This was that, and then some. Yeah, lie. I mean, look, like him or hate him, you had to listen. Yeah. And, and so I think he accomplished the goal probably that he came into tonight with, which was to present himself as a credible candidate. His and name ID was not that high. It was high among the super online and, and cable people. Yeah. But it wasn't the way a DeSantis is. We saw in our own Iowa poll. He hasn't hit that next level yet. Maybe he does. Well, I, I'm not sure there is a next level. That's the thing. I think that there is a ceiling for him, and I think he probably hits that ceiling. Tonight probably helps him get there in some and that ways. that ceiling, a chandelier somewhere in my life. <laughs> right? I mean, it's the, he's the I, Trump I, surrogate. Right. But I think, yeah. I, think, I think that the, you know, I've been involved in preparing for, I don't know, 20 or 30 primary debates uh, in my life, and I think that you always come in with a set of goals. You always come in with a set of things you want to get accomplished. And if you're Vivek Ramaswamy, you've accomplished those things. Uh, I think Nikki Haley accomplished quite a bit tonight. I think she showed herself to be a what Amy just described of her is exactly what she wanted. A credible general election candidate who donors can go to if for some reason they're jittery about Ron DeSantis. And I think Ron DeSantis had a good night too because he came out of it unscathed. And if nobody went after him. Nobody went after him. I'm very surprised. I'm actually surprised because here's the thing. If you're any of these other candidates, you want to be in the position he's in. And so I was struck by the fact that if, you know, I mean, I think Haley did her own thing. I thought, you know, Tim Scott was never going to go after DeSantis because that's not his that's not his persona. And I get that. But if, if you're any of these other candidates, you're competing for the space that Ron DeSantis sits in. So to me, it was a little bit confusing. And I think DeSantis's camp can claim victory because he came out of this essentially, I think, as well positioned, if not better positioned than he was going into it. See, I don't agree with you. I was waiting for, for Ron DeSantis to be the candidate that everybody wanted Ron DeSantis to be. That guy who was going to get all those people who would otherwise have voted for Trump, plus would be getting all the people who are looking for somebody who's normal who has a track record, who's a proven successful governor. I, I feel like everybody ignored him because he's the guy to ignore in the race. He hasn't done well enough. He hasn't let, He hasn't lived up to our expectations. I mean, we'll find out. Uh, look, I do think there's a pretty important moment that took place at this debate. Let me do, let's go all the way to SOC 15, guys, even though this is just Pence and Ramaswamy in Ukraine. It also allows us to talk about, um, we, we did in the open as well, but Ron DeSantis was the first guy to jump up and say he wasn't going to support Ukraine. But, okay. this, is, this is not an insignificant thing. If Trump, DeSantis, and right now Ramaswamy, the top three, are none of them are going to do it. It puts Ukraine as a general election type of issue. I know what we say about foreign policy, but it weirdly puts that in play, and I don't know if that's a good idea for and going back to what you all were talking about with how well did Ron DeSantis do, I don't know that I actually know his position on Ukraine. He was kind DeSantis, of... I yeah, have no idea what it is. But he, he went... He, he kind of raised 
right. but he, he wants can't you to really believe raise his hand. That's, that's right. Yeah. So, yes, we need to spend more money. And he, there was a lot of, I'm going to take your question and then I'm going to pivot. I'm going to take your question and pivot, which is fine. It's what politicians do. But if you came into this debate thinking, I really want to know, like, who is Ron DeSantis? What is he going to do as president? I don't know that it came through. One sign that you're not in first place or second place or third place when you go to the spin room yourself. I want to dip in. I think we, we uh, former vice president is in the spin room. So let's take a listen. As governor of Indiana, and I was a leading champion of conservative values in the Trump Pence administration. I know how to fight, and I was happy to bring that fight to disparaging is just a fact i mean you know when candidates are going into the spin room that's it's either you're not in a good position yeah. or you've had a bad night right either way <laughs> it, it, it isn't great but on this foreign policy front i mean on desantis he walked back that weird line he gave tucker when it when he called it a regional conflict of some sort or whatever it does feel like he's read a polling memo on what the republican electorate wants to hear on ukraine and he's trying to somehow say what they want to hear without committing to never funding. No, I mean, look, this is what we, we were watching this, and I said uh, what I'm about to say again, which is I feel like Ron DeSantis, the Ron DeSantis that I think I know who governed Florida actually, and who was a Navy SEAL, uh, actually is pro-Ukraine, is pro-supporting Ukraine, but that he's positioning himself, that he's taking this position, that, and it, it feels so insincere and, obviously, so freaking out. wrong. The voters sniff that out. I, I, I don't know. I would uh, hope so. I'm not sure Republican primary voters much care one way or the other, to be honest with you on this. I, I, I just don't think this is a You think high, they only care because Trump tells them to care about it? It's not a high salience issue in this primary, right? I mean, you heard the high salience issues. It's, it's the woke stuff. It's uh, some stuff maybe around the economy. Yeah. And it's Trump. I mean, we haven't no. talked about him. No. He was a winner tonight. I'm not even showing up. He was I, a winner I tonight. I think it, he looks he's smarter than ever for not being involved in that debate. Let's uh, sneak in a break. We're going to pay some bills. Amy Lundy, Daniel Gage, sticking around. A lot more to get to, including the view from inside Trump world. I think they feel pretty good about what we all just said now. They've been listening in. The field's four times indicted frontrunner was notably absent from the stage tonight, and it didn't stop him from fighting for the spotlight. We'll talk to one of Trump's top campaign advisors next. You're watching a special edition of Meet the Press post-debate. Step right up to Bets.io's one-of-a-kind carnival extravaganza, where spinning the reels is like riding a roller coaster of luck and surprises. With promo code BETSBONUS100, grab a 100% bonus, experience the wildest casino carnival at Bets.io. Three steps to making a trade. Number one, macro. Be ready for any market event with eToro's economic calendar. Number two, micro. Apply advanced analysis tools with trading view charts. Number three, decision. Seize the opportunity with one-click trading. Trade smarter with Pro Tools. Download eToro now. disliked 
politician in America. We can't win a general election that way. Welcome back. That was Nikki Haley earlier tonight, and perhaps the most direct attack on the former president during the debate tonight. Tonight's debate was at times surprisingly light on any focus on Trump, something his campaign perhaps had counted on. The former president appeared in a pre-recorded interview, part of a debate counter-programming strategy by his campaign. Joining me now, Ron Hilliard, he's in Atlanta, where the former president will be surrendering to authorities at the Fulton County Jail tomorrow. And Vaughn, well, this was a choice. The former president could have done this last week, could have done it Monday or Tuesday before the debate. Not an accident that this is being happening at the end of the week after the debate, because I think what happens in Milwaukee, they hope stays in Milwaukee. Right. This posted on X, formerly known as Twitter, just five minutes before this GOP debate started. It was a 45-minute conversation between Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump, and he, right off the top of the interview, was asked why he was not partaking in the Fox debate, and Donald Trump said, why would I do that when I'm up by 50, 60 percentage points, and why would I stand there on a stage for one to two hours only to be harassed by others, including several who were at zero, one or two percent in polls, uh, and he openly suggested that the likes of Asa Hutchinson, Chris Christie, they should drop out of the race completely. He suggested that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was Gonzo's in his own words, and he directly talked about the uh, now four indictments that he has faced over the course of these last four months, calling them BS. Of course, he will be right where I'm standing here outside the Fulton County Jail uh, come tomorrow evening, and for Donald Trump, I'll let you listen to part of uh, the exchange that he had with Carlson, in which Carlson asked him multiple times about threats of violence in the country, a potential civil war, and what he thinks about the, uh, the possibility of open conflict uh, heading into 2024. Take a listen. So do you think it's possible that there's open conflict? We seem to be moving I, I don't towards know. something. I don't know, because I don't know what it, you know, I, I can say this. Uh, there's a level of passion that I've never seen. There's a level of hatred that I've never seen, and there's probably a bad combination. For the amount uh, in which the Republican candidates on that stage in Milwaukee went after one another, Chuck, tonight, Donald Trump's uh, exchanges with Tucker Carlson very much felt like a, a whole different campaign or a different race, if I may. It's a striking thing that there was no denouncement of any violence, right? There was no, did he, I, we, we just played a clip there, but I'm just curious. He didn't say, but I'm going to do everything I can to make sure to tamp down any violence, to tamp down this behavior. Was there any of that? No, that's, no, that's right. And I think that we should be clear that we have heard this from folks uh, on the ground who have suggested that if Donald Trump were to be put into jail or lose the 2024 election, that they would see this going to a dangerous place. A woman just told me this week earlier this week in Iowa that she, in her own words, thought civil war was imminent here. I think we're at a very difficult point uh, right. for this country. And Donald Trump, as you heard, did not explicitly say that civil war is not imminent. And, uh, uh, and I, I, I uh, you know, for the leading GOP contender here on uh, the Republican side, uh, you know, it's, it's hard not to see who a difficult brought, 2024 I, ahead. No, I don't know brought well. this up? Did Tucker introduce this idea? Tucker, did Tucker Carlson introduce yeah, this, this idea? And I, so he's kind of cheering it on? Tucker Carlson, I mean, I'm, I'm confused by him. I know right, he's, he was kind of a, he's a propagandist. So what, what was he trying to do here? Right, and it was actually Donald Trump, within the first few minutes of the interview, 
was asked over the course of about two minutes about what he thought about the death of Jeffrey Epstein, which uh, the, the government has deemed that he died by suicide. And after mm -hmm. about two, uh, two minutes of, uh, of Tucker asking Trump about this, and Trump seemingly confused and even saying himself that he thought it was in fact a suicide, uh, Tucker tried to correlate that by saying, well, could potentially they be trying to kill you, kill you next, which is mm -hmm. inference there. And and uh, I, I know I would be interested in the words of your next guest here, because for Donald Trump, it was, uh, you know, it was, uh, <laughs> it was quite the correlation that Tucker Carlson seemed to be making. And I don't think Tucker Carlson is wrong to be talking about the prospect of a potential civil war and open conflict, because we hear that from folks on the ground. At the same time, it's one that clearly the former president uh, is having some difficulty wrestling with and is somebody who just had a fundraiser uh, last night for January 6th defendants. I think it's an important question for the former president to uh, continue to face uh, about the prospect of violence in the country. All right, Vaughn Hilliard uh, on the ground for us in Atlanta. Vaughn, thank you. Well, joining me now is a senior advisor to the Trump campaign, Jason Miller. And Jason, I want to ask you about the debate, but I want to ask you about this questioning from Tucker Carlson, I guess, sort of talking up the idea of a violent, some sort of violent conflict over this campaign. Is that something that the former president is embracing? I, I, that answer there was an odd answer, and I just didn't know if you had a better understanding. No, Chuck, I think you're framing it incorrectly. President Trump had a very good answer. Let's talk about the debate for a moment. The fact well, of the matter is question, President Trump won this is he going tonight, to Chuck. tamp down That's violence, Jason? No, 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 no. Is he going to not? Chuck, I mean, is he going to Chuck, convince his... Chuck, Chuck, that I'm is... Just trying to Chuck, respectfully, that's there. an idiot. Chuck, respectfully, respectfully, that's an idiotic question. Uh, to even go in. Uh, President Trump is campaigning on making America great again. We saw the greatest economy that we've had in a century, possibly ever, when President Trump was in office. He makes it very clear. He has more policy videos on his website. He gives speeches. He gives detailed interviews. He takes on the tough battles with tough reporters. He's actually doing it. So President Trump, you saw tonight... His policies loom large over everybody on that stage. He dominated every answer, whether it was about him politically or policy-wise. And I, quite frankly, I agree with the comments earlier. President Trump looked like a genius by skipping the pig pile tonight and instead doing the interview with Tucker Carlson, which, by the way, Chuck, just hit 87 million views. So what, probably 10, a little more than tenfold to watch the rest of the folks have their fight tonight. But here's the other thing, I think a really important point. I heard someone earlier on the panel say they thought that the Sanctimonious did okay. That's not right. We saw the death of Ron DeSantis' campaign tonight. His vivid leapfrog him into second place. DeSantis, it didn't do good enough for him to tread water. He had to have a breakout moment, and Ramaswamy completely outshone him. I knew President Trump wasn't going to be there tonight. I didn't know Ron DeSantis was going to skip the debate as well. Is Donald Trump planning on being in any debates, or only if the polls get closer? Here's how they do it. Good question. He said on True Social that he's not planning on being in the debates, plural, and I would take him at that until possibly he decides to change his mind. Maybe he has something to do with the poll numbers. Maybe it's because he wants to get in there and mix it up. Maybe it's because he saw. Oh shit. So. Basically, what you want to do is when you, you know, if you hear me, if you hear the, 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 what do you call it, Humane Society, and that's how they come up here, because the sheriff was, the way he said it, see, because the, the, the Humane Society was spoke up, that guy was spoke up first, but the other one, and then he was like, oh, can we come and take a look? He was like, oh, I got a little pad out and shit, this fat boy, we were, we were whatever, the, we were shake your beard before you get run over with a goddamn fucking bird in your beard, I mean, 
Come on, man. I mean, like, it looks, he looked unprofessional, to be honest with you. You know what I'm saying? And I, I mean, I'm going personal. When they start doing this shit, I go personal. I get personal with them. I, their looks, everything. You call me fat. All right, no, I'm fat. I've been fat since eighth grade, bro. But you can't say it to me, and I can say it to you, because you're public servant. You work for us. We pay taxes. You're, you're our, you, we, we, we are the people. You are the servant. You understand that? Like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. You're trying to push us around and and, and uh, retaliate for us not letting you in to our private property where we live. Can we go to your house? Right now, go to your kitchen, check it out. You know what I mean? It's like, why? Why do they get pissed off? And it's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be some, it's gonna be a good film. We're gonna send it in. We'll send it in. We'll fucking go. Well, you know what? We'll go live. We will go live. That's what we do. We live on Facebook. You go live on yours. I go live on mine. Live. Two cameras. One recording and one live. I'm going live. I am. I'm gonna have mine ready, juiced up. I probably won't be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> you were out there passed out with the Tony. I thought you was gone. You didn't even respond. It scared me. There's no big blood marks anywhere, right? Any Blood marks or anything, you know? Like, no. No? No. Okay, okay. just make sure that there's any, you know, those bastards, they're, they're coming to look for their teeth. They're coming to look for some shit, and they're going to, and they're, and they're going to, you know, just don't say nothing, please. Just be like, I don't answer questions. When they ask you questions, you say, I don't answer questions. And then you you can question them. You say, you have to answer my questions. You're his public servant. I don't work for you. And, and I'm not here to help you with your investigation either. Then, oh, 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 oh. Investigate. Don't do your job. Get the fuck out of my face. Go do your job. Because I'm not here to help you with your investigation. That's your job. And there's, you know, are we done? You know, what, well, what, are, you, what, are, what are we being, you know, at that point, it'd be like, uh, so are we being detained? You know, I mean, I probably asked that about halfway through. Uh, am I free to go? No. Well, why not? Am I being, what am I being detained for? You have to have articulable, reasonable, articulable suspicion that I've committed a crime or about to commit a crime. But you yeah, have not. Cause. Huh? Probable cause. Just. Uh, probable cause. Probable cause. They have to have reasonable suspicion. Reasonable, articulable suspicion that I've committed a crime, about to commit a crime, or in the commission of a crime. Do you have any of that? If not, well, am I free to stay? Am I free to go? And they, they say, yeah, you're free to go. You tell them that I'm free to stay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm so waiting crazy. Huh? Like, it, if a dog has cancer... No. Don't worry about that. Yeah. that is, that's right there. All that it stuff It doesn't is, make any fucking sense. It's why would they? Why would they accuse me of neglect or something? Right, if the dog it, has cancer, yeah. Colin, that, that sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Yeah, and unless that's made up. Well, I think it is. Cancer. But, but uh, no, remember what I told you about the about the about the cancer can be caused from bacteria. It, it is the leading cause of cancerous cells. Like uh, you know, when people have you know like abrasions or erosions on them or whatever you call them. Um, there's bacteria in there. There's, 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 uh, back to there's, there's, uh, whatever they say. There's that in there. Parasites. Those parasites are flesh eating. So that's why they're saying these guys cancer maggots. I mean, it's a form of cancer. It's not, it's not malignant cancer, okay? Not that type of cancer. It's a different type of cancer. But we'll see, we'll see. When it gets, when it gets to coming down, 
don't overstep what you don't know. I'm, I mean, I, I, I looked it up. I looked it up. We'll see. We'll see. Where's the Where's the paperwork when they say when they say yeah. whatever? Let's see the doc. Let's see the documents. That's it. I mean, yeah, why? they they she wouldn't even tell me where, uh, what the who the vet who or where the vet was. Who wouldn't? Zoe. Zoe. You know, yeah, I, asked, so I asked. I asked. Where's? Uh, uh, you know, they withheld information. The they withheld information that was that was. We had we had privy to. We should have. Because it's your dog. You had ownership of that dog. They took the dog. They impounded the dog from you. They kidnapped the dog from you because they were just supposed to transport the dog. And then they took over, which didn't need to be done. The dog just needed help. That's it. This thing happened quickly. It's not like, uh, and there's flies everywhere. I mean, come on, man. I mean, do you see he had maggots on him? I mean, I hope they got pictures of that. You know what I'm saying? But still, even then, that's possible. It's possible. But but still, maggots can come within it. Let me look it up. I looked it up. Maggots are, are easy to um, easy to fix. And when she said that, she first said that there were maggots and they might have to put them down. And I said, and then I looked up that thing about maggots and I, and I, I said, according to the internet, that's easy to fix. And then she said uh, it was a cancerous. Yeah, she switched it, up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. They, she put him to sleep in spite of you. If they, they, they dog, if they put him down, uh-huh. then, then you might be able to sue them. There were, no, yeah, no, we I'm might be able to see the fucking doctor and, and, and her, Zoe, all they, of them. Uh-huh. All of them. They put uh-huh. your dog down without your permission. You said, no, don't put my dog down. Yeah, they did not have second permission. Opinion. They couldn't take your dog like that and just, just say, well, I'm sorry, we're putting your dog down. They did not have permission. They're fucked. They're fucked on that one. They're going to be in trouble on that one. They could be. Very well. I think so. They should be, if not. Um. Yeah. It's really messed up. Can't believe she would do that. But you know, I had a. I had that heads up when she, you know, mentioned that crazy story. Right then and there, you know. You know that, that I, she was on that vibe. She was going for she was going for the gusto. Especially yeah. when she said some stupid shit like fucking pet uh-huh. like like animal incest shit taking a rubber band to his nutsack. That's some fucking real fucked up shit to think about even. Like, yeah, where did she get that? It doesn't you, it, know? you know, it doesn't matter because she made it up because we know the truth. And uh-huh. so she fictitiously made that up in her mind. And if she said that to the fucking police, uh huh. That's right there That's... the first number one item. Number one item of false accusations. Uh-huh. Check your facts before you run your fucking diary amount. Number two. What's next? Uh, maggots. They're curable. He need, He had a, he had a, a slightly elevated uh, fever and his, his white blood cells. That's what happens when somebody has when an infection. Yeah, exactly, yeah. He needed antibiotics inside of, his, inside of his IV. That's it. And a night in the hospital. That's it. Did he have cancer? Where's the paperwork that says he has cancer? They can't test for cancer that fast. They cannot test for fucking cancer that fast. That mm-hmm. shit takes a day or so. It's a day. They spin it in a fucking, in, a, in one of them things, you know, with a, with a Petri tray. Fucking full of shit. She's full yeah. of shit. They're, yeah. The doctor's full of shit. The do- they're all in there just pat each other's back, thinking they did a good job. They did, they did a, you know what I mean? They did the right thing. 
They have no idea what they just did. They just killed a fucking dog that didn't need to fucking die if they killed him. They fucking yeah. murdered him. If they yeah. fucking killed him, if they put him to sleep, then they fucking murdered him. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's, you know. We're gonna hold to out everybody shit. responsible. Fuck them, man. Shit happens. This is a fucking big property. This is, there, there's good animals. We've taken in animals. And, and he got hurt. Legit, legit. I, I got, I got him because I rescued him from her brother who was what? Yeah. Abusive. Yeah. And uh, what? abandoned these animals, and I took them in. I res, I rescued them. Them she, or him? There were two dogs. Oh, who's the other one? Um, it was called, uh, her, her, it was Daisy. What happened to it? She was stolen by the asshole. Um, method that banded together okay. with my brother. All right, so she took, he took the dog. You have Hank. Yeah, he stole the dog. I mean, as far as I've seen for all these years, Hank's been fine up until the fucking pig. The uh-huh. pig is what, what what started the whole thing. You know, I mean, it, yeah. it, did, it did. I mean, and she she um also res. I mean, we rescued him together, and you know, she drove all the way up there, and she brought him here. And, uh, you know, how how is it that... He's your dog. Once they yeah. turn him over to you, he's your possession. He's been in your possession all these years. This is a recent thing. The, the fucking, the, the, uh, the, what he's got, how he got well, hurt. It's an in, yeah, it's an injury. We, you know, we dealt with a, a vet, and I told her about That's this. That's paid for, too. We paid for that one. Yeah. We paid for that one. Yeah. In full. She can't say nothing about the other one, but I think, I think, I think Stephanie was the cop. I saw a picture of her online, you know, like Stephanie. A, the girl there, get the, uh, that one who referred Inez, and and and, oh, the, and really? the girl who gave me all the gave me all the mops. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And I found <laughs> out what they do is they get those things out for surveillance, all the all the equipment. Cost like five dollars for computers, for this, that, the other. They give them mm-hmm. out for surveillance. Oh wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. believe it. Mm-hmm. I I kind of said that the first time I went in there too. You know, I thought maybe, but I mean, we're not doing anything. So what the fuck? Surveil me all day. You'll get tired of it. <laughs> There's yeah, nothing more to surveil fucking us waste for. of taxpayer money. For sure, we're These not criminals. We're not criminals. We don't do anything. We don't. We live our lives and we struggle to get by because we've been hurt. Because by of all, them. They're, because they're of outside outside entities. Starve us T-Mobile, out. T-Mobile, them too. The government keeping our keeping our shit locked up. DHS. Can't, I can't even get a, I can't even get a call on my phone. For, for working, I'm not even getting any calls off of Craigslist whatsoever. Oh for all God. the items I got on there, nothing. And look at look at the look at the eBay. Now, I mean, they've, they've done their job. Well, that that's what their job was. It was to crush us, to make us, you know, to want us to be what homeless or have no money and be broke. They're hating the fact that we probably there and everything's been held back. Look, we can't get T-Mobile. This is the third fucking time you've got paperwork, right? What else? What we get? It's that. Look at the look at the account. Look at everything that's happening to us. It's all fucking coming down because somebody's overseeing what we're doing, and, uh-huh. and, they're, and they're making it hard for us. Yeah, and they don't want us to succeed. They don't. No, they don't. They don't. And, they, and they're throwing every wrench at it they possibly can. They really are. And it sucks. It sucks because we work so hard to build things, and then and then they just take it down in a half a second. All the way to, to, to your dog. That shit right there is like... That shit gets me like that. They make that decision without you. Doesn't make sense. They just stripped your rights away as the owner because of what? Because they think you, you know, we're, let's start the off. False with all, report. Yeah, false report. So let's hear 
how how did they know? How did they know? They only see what what happened, and, and this is like, hey, this is why we called. Take the dog in, get the dog fixed. So you show us the proof that the dog was going to die tomorrow. That's some bullshit. He looked fine in that picture to me. He looked anesthetized a little bit, but he looked fine in that picture. He had an IV in his fucking arm. I swear to God, I'm going to be fucking pissed if they, if they really fucking put him to sleep. Mm-hmm. Oh, my Lord. I'm going to fucking give it to him. We will sue them. We, we should sue them. Yeah. We should do nothing. We should do nothing less than sue them. The police mm-hmm. like, and, 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 and your friend, too, personally. Sue her personally for her own fucking home. For her, uh, for whatever she's got. Yeah. Sue her. Maximum. Maximum. I mean, for, for, for all that shit. Just killed your fucking dog after, after they, they made the decision, after what they said, sent the police over here to come inspect the property and, and do all this self-righteous. When there's nothing going on, and they're going to come here and they're going to see there's nothing. What do you do about, where's the, where, you know, just going in here like this. This is, this is, this is the meat. So if you got those, those lunges coming here, where's the, where's the laundry at? The laundry from the, uh, from the couch? Oh, um, in the bag. In the bag? Yeah. Where at? Oh, uh, next to the table. That's not good. Out there. Yeah, take it with me. They're going to be looking for that and stuff like that, because I guarantee you that's what they say. Mm-hmm. They saw that on the couch out there. Did they come up in here? Did they come all the way up in here, Zoe and them, or did you meet them at the gate? Yeah, they, yeah, they came in. They came in, in here. here. Not in? not in here, but out, out there. Out there, yeah. Never let them use the bathroom or anything. No, but uh, yeah, outside. Um, it's Hank. Hank he was like sluggish. Of course, he was not feeling good. He got a fever, yeah. and he yeah. got he got infection, but he wasn't uh-huh. gonna die. Uh-huh. Not from no fucking, not from some little fucking. Uh, cuts on his pecker that he was licking to death. He just needed some attention. And hopefully they gave it to him and they didn't put him to fucking sleep. You know, we should have we should have taken him to that that, that one I clinic, gave you. Yeah. That one I gave yeah. you. I don't know I don't know why you didn't. I gave you the information and that lady was that lady was I mean you had to handle some stuff yourself that is your dog, but but still I got other things going on. I gave you the information. You could have taken Yeah, it. I, I made the mistake of trusting Trusting them, I know. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, maybe the first time we should have seen it when they took all the puppies but two, you know what I mean? Like, they kind of like, like, they, you didn't, we didn't deserve them or something, you know what I mean? Kind of, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what their attitude was like. I seen the girl. She wasn't very, she wasn't very cordial or friendly, the redhead girl. She was just kind of, you know, smug on her face. Because that's her mom. She talks, your, her mom talks shit about you. Guaranteed. No, that's her aunt. Her aunt. She yeah. talks shit about you. Guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guaranteed. She talks mad shit about you. She, she's jealous of you or something. I don't know, because she got a work, because she's got fucking shitty fucking husbands or boyfriends, whoever the fuck she's, whatever. Because you sent me one time, and you told me to her. I could never, that lady, that lady, I could see it in her, I could hear her. Everybody she gets with, she makes miserable. I mm-hmm. guarantee it. She's the type of woman that makes men miserable. Mm-hmm. For sure, without a doubt. Well, she's single, too, probably. Uh, and that's why tyrant. she ain't got no friends? Right. I would be, I would be uh, one of the reasons. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Well, she caused this kind of problem. This is unacceptable from anybody. This is this shit like this. This shit on the streets gets you fucking Katy Perry. You know, you're done. Katy Perry. Yeah, get me off the cocaine and go fucking do whatever you need. Katy Perry. Get me an ounce of cocaine. That's what you get anybody an ounce of cocaine and take care of business. 
<laughs> on the streets, you know what I'm saying? I mean, people don't, people don't tell on other people and send, I mean, they always want to arrest you. They want to arrest you, put you in the fucking cuffs, and put you in torture cuffs and take you to the dungeon. That's what they wanted to do today. Put you in torture cuffs and take you to the you dungeon. Really, the cops? Yeah. We wanted to do that really bad. When we told him no, he started twitching. You see him? He couldn't take it. He didn't, he, he was fumbling his papers and shit, trying to uh, just bother him so much that we said no. Uh -huh. Oh boy. I could see it. They're, they're, they're tyrants. They get trigger finger and shit. They're fucking. It's it's really. They're psychopaths. They're psychopaths. Yeah. With power tricks. Yeah. A gun. Sure. A badge. An armor. They got I'm all the gear. Auto, I'm in the, and they just fucking You don't want to listen to me? Well, fuck. Yeah. And then when I had when I came back with you, can't arrest her. This is secondary charge, pal. You don't know what you're talking about. Go look your what I have to ask him, what statute is that? What law is that? What fucking law? What's the statute on that? What's the law? What's the fuck? It's crazy that they can go off go off like that. They can lie, they're allowed to lie. Yeah, I know. That's that's another problem. Yeah, it is a problem. They're allowed to lie. It's pathological. Oh dear. Alright, I gotta get back down to my house and then scary. How many cops do you have in total? I don't That's know. what they may gig you on. You're not supposed to have cockerels, but okay, when they say something about that. I'm the county, though. When they say some shit about that, mm -hmm. I'm going to be like, then you need to go down to every single fucking neighbor down the bottom down here and take their fucking cocks too. Since you guys are cock gobblers, then you can take the cocks. You can take the cocks, cock, cock gobblers. I'm gonna start cock all their razz, but they would come up here with. They're gonna come up here with cages. They're gonna show up. It's gonna be. It's going to be. It's going to be a detectives, sheriffs, uniform, ununiform, and it's gonna be probably pack and probably see and probably pack and and, uh, and the humane society. I know. I know some things in my life, but I know just just when they come, just get up. Keep your mouth shut in the beginning. Let's hear what they have to say. Just let me do the talking. Don't say nothing until until we've made until like then I'm like sick of fuck it. Say all you yeah, want. Yeah, I told I told uh, Beth and um, Joey, you know, uh, call them call them back and and tell them you made a mistake or. Uh, oh, we're gonna sue you personally. Yeah, maximum. Did you tell we're them that? Did you yeah, say we're I did. We're oh, gonna good. we're good. suing we're. Uh, let me know when you filed or, or when you called and told told, them that, you told them. Sorry, yep. it's a mistake. Uh, so I I don't have to sue you, um, and also file a complaint with your place of work, you know, for making false reports. We don't do that anyway. I'm gonna make a large yeah. call to a drug addict because only drug addicts do shit like that. Exactly. That's fucking crazy. What a rubber band. That's fucking crazy. I love his testicles. I even had a joke about his testicles. I loved his... I thought they were so funny and cute. I wanted to keep them intact. I was bummed when he... When the fucking neighbor called and I had to... Let Pac neuter him. You want this... You want this meat that I have here? I mean, if you took it, you boil it, you can feed it to the... I mean, if you don't want to handle but it was in the pool in there, but it was, it, 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 it's all defrosted and everything. Take a look at it. I think it's just a stuff that's all right now. It's just a stuff that's all right now.
Yeah, we're probably going to get raided because of this asshole ex-friend of mine, um, called the cops, and I think she told them a crazy story about my putting, she, because she told me this story on the phone, um, the last time I talked to her on the phone. And I said, what the hell are you, what are you, what are you, what the hell are you talking about? That never had, I never did that. Um, she said that I put a rubber band around his nuts, which is crazy. I don't I don't even know where she got that idea. I think she hallucinated it. I think she must only somebody on drugs come up with such a thing and and uh, she told she mentioned it to me. She probably mentioned it to the cops. So now the cops are fucking trying to um get a search warrant. <laughs> And they tried to arrest me today for declining to say my name to identify myself. You know, they're, they're, I'm on my own property. They're, um, acting all fucking aggressive. I haven't committed a crime. So, but these motherfuckers, they make shit up. That's a thing that I learned from hard experience. They'll make shit up. He probably, how much you want to bet? He had his, his, uh, recording device turned off. Like the other guy who fucking could have killed me in my own driveway. Badly injured me. I had to go to emergency.
Anyway. So, can't trust the cops in America. They can lie legally. They make shit up in their reports. Motherfucker just made shit up. Said that there was another person that, who uh, helped bring me into the car. No, I only saw him. His name is Knair. And he's probably, you know, he's probably um, pissed off because I always talk about him. I always out him. Knair, his uh, name is Officer Knair. Fuck you, Knair.